You are listening to Pod Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. Before we start this episode, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Do your skin a solid with solid lotion bars. No water is used in the process of making these bars. Just simple ingredients like butters, oils, and beeswax. Bars are solid at room temperature. Simply warm the bar on your hands or directly on dry skin areas, and your body heat melts it into a usable lotion. Each bar comes packaged in a portable tin, so you can keep one in your gym bag, purse, desk drawer, or next to the kitchen sink. Great for travel and gift giving. There are 12 solid options. Something for everyone, from citrus burst to cranberry fig to freshly shaved for men. As solid, we pride ourselves on a solid product while doing a solid unto others. A portion of our proceeds will go directly to a local charity. Please look for our website soon at www. Dot solidlotionbar.com. Be solid. Do solid. Do your skin a solid. In my case, I can just imagine the minute I put my hand on the gun, on the gun, the police will walk in the classroom and shoot me first because my mind and my experience tells me police or law enforcement. Um, it's trained to shoot people with my complexion or brown or black people when they're seen with a weapon or anything that might resemble a weapon. Remember when we all seemed to share the same American dream? When we all thought every U.S. citizen should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative? Did that dream just go away? We at Pod Save the Rest of Us do not think so. We believe we all want to be happy. We all want our kids to have a wonderful life. We believe all have common ground. This is Pod Save the Rest of Us. Let's find that common ground again. Easy going, easy come. Where'd you get your info from? I found mine on Reuters. Welcome back. Today's episode is part two of our gun violence investigations. I'm Elizabeth Stanley, and this is Pod Save the Rest of Us. As I said previously, I was a public high school teacher for 20 years. I worried about the safety of our campuses every day after the Columbine shooting. I would play out scenarios about how I, how I could keep myself and my students safe if there was a shooter on our campus. You see, there was very little training offered to teachers. The only plan at that time was to go in the gym and wait in the bleachers until we got the all-clear announcement. It really was the same training as we got for, for fire and earthquakes. In all scenarios, I imagine there would be chaos and vulnerability if a catastrophe struck our campus and we just weren't prepared. With the latest mass gun shooting at schools, There have been so many questions on my mind about how teachers are now coping and how they are contributing to keeping our campuses safe. I wondered how things have changed in in the wake of this violence. I sat down with a teacher, a principal, and two law enforcement officers to get a better understanding of how these adults are dealing with gun violence on our school campuses and what they're doing to prepare. Through our discussions, you will learn the training is underwhelming and the solutions to keeping our children safe on campus greatly contrast. 20 years post-Columbine, our children are being gunned down and a concrete solution to keeping our children safe 
is yet to be discovered. I also spoke with a YouTube employee. From this conversation, you will hear how devastating it is to learn that your friends are under attack. For our first interview, I sat down with Karen, a veteran California public school teacher who has been teaching for 33 years. Can you tell us what your training for shooting on campus has been? What, what kind of training are they giving you these days? The training that we um, are currently receiving is the same training that we've had uh, since Columbine. And that training involves us you know, turning off the lights in our classroom, locking the doors and having students move away from the, the point of view of a shooter and just to remain quiet. Uh, staff members, we are instructed to use our computer or devices to contact the office and let the office know if we see a shooter, uh, see the shooter on campus, if somebody jiggles the doorknob, uh, just to keep them um, involved in what is going on on campus. How often are you guys uh, practicing that regimen? I remember we've only practiced it. We've practiced so far this year about twice. twice. Normally every year we have at least two shooter trainings. And do you feel this training is sufficient? You're gonna be ready um, if unfortunately the tragedy hits your campus? Well actually no, the training that the police department um, has put out or the training that I've seen in different news shows does not really match what we do in our classroom or in our school. For example, the the training I've seen that tells you if somebody jiggles a knob or tries to come into the classroom, you throw objects at that person. If you can't hide, run. If you can't run, fight. And we haven't gotten that message at all for the classroom. Let's get more specific. I have a gun. I'm headed to your classroom. I'm in your classroom. What are you going to do? The instructions that we have really applies to a shooter approaching the door and not coming into the classroom. The part that I add of throwing things at the shooter, trying to tackle the shooter at the knees or anything like that, that's information that I've gotten from the internet or I've seen on a television news show or read show, sorry, or read um, online from another source. So during the school day, on a normal day, you're teaching your class, your door is locked or unlocked, open or shut? We're instructed to lock our doors. Uh, Unfortunately, many of us do not lock our doors. We leave our doors unlocked because students come in and out. To Some come to deliver passes. Others have to go to the bathroom. So there are numerous different activities going on in the classroom where we leave our doors Unlocked, but we really are supposed to keep our doors locked. Okay. Do you do you feel your students feel safe? They've been well trained, and and ultimately, it's a safe, closed campus, and um, you can go about your day. And the kids feel, you know what? I go to my high school, and I I'm safe. I don't have to worry about what's out there. It's it's funny that you should mention that. My students have told me that they do not feel safe on campus. Every time the fire drill goes off 
whether it's by accident or a planned fire drill, they panic. I personally have instructed my students that if they hear the fire drill, do not run out of the door immediately. They are to think first, pause for at least one second to gather their thoughts, and then leave the classroom. I'm not saying to stay back and don't leave the classroom. I ask them to just pause first. The reason why I do that is my classroom is the closest to the set of stairs. If someone were to pull the fire alarm, which is outside of my classroom, and my students walk out, they definitely would be mowed down easily. So I ask them to pause. What I have been doing is as soon as I hear a fire drill, I grab my keys and I go to the door, not to leave my students out immediately, but I run to the door in case I have to lock it. Mm-hmm. How long have you had to discuss shooting, shooter attack protocols? You said you've been teaching for 30 years. This is kind of a new thing, a, a, a new worry, a, a new constant worry. I'm always worried about just in our normal life, I'm walking, I could be attacked. But to have this be um, where your students are saying, yeah, I'm worried when I'm on my campus. Is that a new thing or has this been happening for 30 years? Since 2001 is where I started being more aware that there are going to be other shootings. And, and it's been an increasing Uh, amount of stress and concern on students. So as the years have gone by, there have been more and more shootings. So now we're at the point where my students are always on edge. Whenever they hear the alarm, if there's a loud noise outside of the classroom, they're on edge. All right. Um, What do you think about the great idea of arming teachers on campus? I totally laugh at that one, arming teachers. Uh, number one, when would you put out pull out this weapon in the classroom? Somebody approaches the door, then you run to your desk, pull out a weapon, try to shoot past all of your students and shoot that person first. Mm-hmm. Is that what is it, we're expected to do? Or do we hear a noise outside our classroom and immediately grab our weapons and don't take time to assess the situation and just start to shoot randomly? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a very good idea to arm teachers in the classroom at all. I think that is the worst thing anyone could ever do. Mm, Yeah, adding more guns doesn't seem to me as well to be a good solution. Now, how do you feel specifically being an African-American woman with a gun in a very white community? That's the first thing I thought about when I heard that one of the ideas to combat uh, on-campus shooters as armed teachers. I believe, uh, I believe I read a story recently about a man who either tackled a shooter or disarmed someone. The police came up and saw that person with the weapon and shot them. Mm-hmm. In my case, I can just imagine the minute I put my hand on the gun, on the gun, the police will walk in a classroom and shoot me first because my mind and my experience tells me police or law enforcement, um, it's trained to shoot people with my complexion or brown or black people when they're seen with a weapon or anything that might resemble a weapon. The other side of that, can you just imagine the fallout where if I were to take out a weapon weapon on one of my students on campus, I am convinced that the community would not value my judgment in taking out my weapon as they would a colleague of mine who is Caucasian. That is just my personal belief and what I think might happen. And what you've lived with in regards to judgment. 
correct. What do you think the students' approach to changing the laws? They're taking a leadership role. Do you see that on your campus? And, and definitely we're seeing it in the media. And what do you think about this? I think students are tired of letting the adults take the lead and fail. I relate what is going on now to what students were doing in the 60s when they were protesting against the Vietnam Wars. Uh, older men were starting fights and creating wars that young men had to fight. At, the, at this moment, older men and women are making laws that enable people to purchase machine guns or AK-47s and hurt students. And the students now are the ones who have to turn around and take matters into their own hands. And I'm all for it. I think there was a period of time in our society with each generation, we became, you know, pretty lax. And we expected nothing was going to happen. We're living in the United States. Uh, the terrorist, the bad guy, you know, wears a turban on his or her head and speaks another language. We don't think of homegrown terrorists. And I look at shooters as being homegrown terrorists. I don't see these students, I'm sorry, I do not see them as just trouble people because anybody or anything that causes terror on a society, I would consider them to be a terrorist. All right, here's my final question. Feel free to add anything after this, but how do we protect our children? Well, one of the first things we can do as adults is to protect our children. Our children should not be out on the streets uh, picketing or getting our attention uh, about gun violence. We should be the ones doing that. The first thing I would say is legislation. Uh, the, the NRA should not be dictating whether our students or children remain alive on a campus or even out in public. That's uh, number one. There is no reason any human being needs to purchase, in my opinion, purchase a weapon where which bullets can fly through another person's body and rip through it. There's no need for that in society, unless you're out there, you know, fighting a war. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that there is a need for that at all. The other thing that I think um, should happen is if you see something, say something. If the student sees something going on, they should mention it. Most kids cannot keep secrets. They do let you know what is happening. So if you have a friend who is having issues talking about killing uh, individuals, you should say something. Take the risk and, what is it, err on the, the side Six, of caution? Yeah. All right, correct. The other thing is to that same theme is mental health. Quite a few of our students have mental health issues that uh, we don't address. I mentioned before about the outliers. They do need help. Sometimes a student just feels helpless or the family situation is such that they just can't bear everything. They say, and I have heard this said before, a hurt person hurts people. And very often those who hurt people are those who are already hurting. So if there's a student who is hurting um, out there, I believe we, have, we as adults should spend time uh, with that student, find what's going on. Another thing that's happening in our schools right now, which is happening in school where I teach, uh, we have our counselors are working with students on other issues, and they really don't have the time. They really don't have the time to focus on mental health. Our counselors uh, are spent spend their days 
looking at transcripts, matching transcripts from courses our students taken outside to our school transcripts and expectations. And that takes away from what their job is supposed to do. We need to make sure that we have the funds available to hire counselors who spend, who can only spend that time working with our students and making sure that every student has access to uh, mental health care and follow-up. I sat with Jessica, who has been in education for 18 years. Five of those years, she has served as an administrator. We learned about her training as a principal of an elementary school and her perception of the escalating problem of gun violence in our schools. I'll tell you what we tell our staff and what we do and what we practice is that if you never know when it's going to happen, right? So right. you can have all the drills in the world. You have a drill when everybody's in class and you say, this is what we do. You have a drill when people are out at recess and you say, this is what we do. Ultimately, the goal is you get all the kids in a building, lock the doors, and we, we ask them to hide, get away from windows, close the blinds, turn off the lights, um, make it look as though nobody is around. Mm-hmm. And we call it an intruder drill. We don't, we don't this is elementary right now. Right. We don't talk about shooters and, and that sort of thing. Um, there are also at, so I've been at middle school and elementary and some of the schools I've been at have had code words. So if the shooter were in your classroom, you, um, would have a code word that you, you shared with the office Mm -hmm. and, um, letting them know that that's where the shooter is. So we all, we all know when it comes down to it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be chaos, yeah. you know. And you talk to friends, parents, whatever, and they're like, "If anything happens, I tell my kid to run." Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. over the years, how has this changed? How has the regulations or just the awareness has anything changed? Of course, big time. You ha- I mean, it happens once, and you're like, "Okay, it happened once, but let's do some preparation." It happens twice. You're like we really got to be ready. And then just the way society's going right now, it's... It's a trend. Yeah, it's a trend. It's what it is. It's like an epidemic. So, for example, up the first one, they made this past... They said, teachers, there's a rule. You need to have your door locked on campus all the time and so that nobody can get in. Mm-hmm. It's a pain to have your door locked all the time, yes, right? People yeah. have to knock to come in. And so a teacher's like, screw that. I'm not going to do it. So mm-hmm. and that's the way it always is. You, you come up with things and in the... The scariness subsides, right? And you're like, yeah, it's okay. I can leave my door open. But you never know when things are going to happen. Has your mindfulness evolved regarding that? Well, so elementary, in my mind, is different. Like here, we're we're keeping an eye on kids. We're looking at their mental health, intervening as soon as possible, right? So Mm -hmm. that you prevent things. Middle school is a little bit different. You see the kids and you're like, hmm they make me a little nervous you know so what can we do when you keep an extra eye on them yeah who would have ever thought I'd look at a kid and go like that could be one that would bring something to school how do you feel about arming teachers with guns I'm not for it (laughs) I think people are people right people are emotional people get scared people are crazy that's one thing I know some teachers are crazy (laughs) right so you don't know it's just like any human being, you put a gun in your hand, you don't know what they're going to do. They can get upset or scared in some situation. And Police officers. Not. Yeah, have, exactly. Yeah. You, it's no way, no way should you have that 
in their hands. I don't think. And, and it's sad that we even have to talk about it, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right solution. <laughs> what about in some some schools now? They're putting in little safety pods in the back of the room where they can get in there. And yeah, just kind yeah. Of bulletproof. We were talking about that too. Yeah. We we passed that around and looked at it, and in a nutshell, it was like, man, is it sad that we even have to look at this right, right now? Oh, good point. Yeah, but I, I mean. I've never been in a classroom where it's big enough to have little, I, no. a little house. And a little house is not going to fit the whole class, right. in my mind, right? right? That's just what I think. Yeah, 30, <laughs> you know, at, at the Marjorie Douglas High School, uh, Stoneman Douglas, what they had like 15 or so kids all in a closet. So, yeah. you know, but to stay quiet, how do you get children quiet? You, in that situation, yeah. heck no. You know. It's really hard. Yeah. We have... We have pods in our class, so four classrooms have a pod, not all of them, Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine fitting everybody in there, Mm -hmm. and it's still accessible. There's windows, and, you know, it's not bulletproof. How do you feel about guards on campus or metal detectors? I I feel like it's it's reasonable. We, I've dealt with many students across the board who bring stuff to school that shouldn't bring to school. It's not necessary, doesn't need to be there. You can't always count on home to check on it, like the parents or whatever. Why not have a way to check it? I also think that we should have more, like you said, guards, but more bodies walking around campus, checking for kids, walking around, checking the bathrooms every once in a while, make sure people aren't hanging out in there, that sort of thing. That wouldn't harm anything. Mm -hmm. We've had a bunch of kind of a rash here of um, threats made, so like a threat made that he was going to bring a gun and shoot three teachers, that a girl overheard another girl talking in the bathroom about having a gun. All the high schools around here have had quite a few lockdowns because of situations, and they're quick to act. There was even a, a firearm found in the field of the high school that these students will go to. And But friends hear things and they're turning them in right away, they're not waiting. So that's a really good step. And administration is just not waiting, they're just taking action. But there was a um, kind of a forum of parents wanting to know what the schools are doing for this sort of thing. So they had this this um, school district forum where they shared what things were happening, and there was a, a councilman there. And he happened to be presenting at one of the high schools when they had a lockdown, a mm-hmm. major one. And so he kind of shared out afterwards about his experience and how yes they really are on this and they weren't about our safety and so that was kind of a cool right full circle event if you could get training in one area where you feel like this would make me a little more confident what what would that look like for you well just this whole conversation is truthfully i know that the the police department goes through crazy training about this sort of thing their teams and where they go and all of that mm-hmm. and really they should have administrators have that sort of training with the police department saying look let's walk around your campus these are places where you might be vulnerable this is mm-hmm. how you can help things this is what you do right I, I think that would be a really smart thing to do so you can be as prepared as you can and hopefully like I said learn from situations but the, unfortunately everybody's learning from every situation We revisited with two Bay Area police officers, Alan and Sarah, to get their take on arming teachers. Should teachers be armed on our campuses? 
I don't think um, arming teachers is the right idea, and I'll tell you why. Um, I've been in law enforcement for 33 years, and the training that goes into um, functioning and um, manipulating a weapon uh, requires a whole lot of of training and expertise, and I just feel like um, it would be the wrong situation, and I think we would end up with more people hurt than less. Um, yeah, is it a deterrent for somebody who who is thinking about it? Possibly, but I don't think that's the right answer. I really don't. Um, it, and it, our teachers are there to teach. They're not there to you know mm-hmm. arm themselves and protect our, our our kids. We need to find another solution. Okay, well, with that, this is a very complicated issue. I don't think there's any easy answer. Can you just try and simplify this? Yeah, it's... um, I know in police, you know, being a part of of policing campuses and being in law enforcement for a lifetime, uh, obviously this is something you've had to deal with and have had a lot of time to think about, so... Can you put it in a nutshell for us? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot since Florida, and you know the the rhetoric that's going around about you know well we need to arm teachers, we need to do this, we need to do that, and and so much of it is um, mental health issues, um, and and access to weapons, and then the desensitized. Um, I believe it has. Uh, a lot to do with video games and and kids growing up with these very very violent video games and being desensitized to what that looks like um and how and how do we how do we stop it i I think the only way we can stop it is to almost make our unfortunately our campuses fortresses um which you know nobody wants um you know, the, the thing I try to teach people, because we teach a lot of run-hide fight um, on campus, because that's really kind of the buzzword that's um, going around to try to save yourself. And and essentially, um, you need to pay attention and be aware. And, you know, if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. And then, you know, be persistent on trying to, you know, um, get to the next level of notification. Don't just let it go, you know, to, to tie it up in a, you know, in a ribbon and say, this is, this is a solution. I just, I think you just have to be aware. You have to go into situations, um, knowing this could happen anywhere at any time. And unfortunately right now, um, it's scary. How do other industrialized countries keep, they don't have the same problem. We're number one in mass shootings. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with taking weapons away from everybody. And I don't know that the United States is ready to do that. I mean, it literally would be um, martial law. And I, don't, I just don't, I don't know. You know, we, we have a society that allows us to do, and you have to look at that from, I think, a couple different perspectives, from, from the conservative side to the liberal side, because I think you would be, have to take away a whole lot of stuff in order to get to that place. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think we're there. Guns on campus. Should our teachers be armed? I'm all for it. There's a two-pronger, right? There's two prongs to this. Some people are trying to say that teachers shouldn't have guns, and that's, that's one school of thought, and then you should. I think if, you, if you're comfortable carrying one, and if it's an option, you should. 
I just don't see why not. In this, in the world right now, how crazy it's getting, um, there's a lot of bad things that could happen with a teacher with a gun. There's a lot of bad things that could happen with a cop with a gun. So we have to have holsters that are level three. So you can't get, you can fight me all you want. You're probably not going to get my gun out. It's like a secret button I have to push, and I'm the only one that can pretty much do it. Um, they would probably have to have the same requirements and the same training that we have to go through, and you'd have to be mandated to do so many hours per year, and then have to, you know, at a range, we can only, you have to get above a 70%, and you have to spend so many hours a year at the range. So I'd hope if they did implement that, that's the route they would go for the faculty. But um, I personally don't have a problem with it. I would guess, though, and, and maybe you're more optimistic, we're not going to put forth the funding that would require a teacher to be proficient at handling a gun. And making, to have the ability to not, to shoot 70% or above, but to do so under duress. I agree with you. I don't think the funding's there. I think that's a problem with a lot of this stuff. I think if we had more money we could have safer campuses we could have metal detectors Mm -hmm. we could have it where you go through two or three doors like look at the banks Mm -hmm. you walk into a bank and they're behind armored glass you know what i mean like well if we had better schooling mm -hmm. i would argue that we would have fewer criminals Mm -hmm. yeah i think it also boils down to the mental health right these kids are um when you look at their history, and I'm not a, I'm not a um, mental health professional, but I deal with the mental health in crisis all the time. Um, when they're of that age, there's a spike. You can you see these these boys they spike, and it's always like around 18 or 19. I've noticed, and then it's kind of in their late 20s where these the mental health problem is prevalent, and you can start to see them. It's peaking. Um, and when you when you talk to people like that, it's because they're being bullied, or they're outcasts, or they don't have friends, or the they don't have those coping skills, mm-hmm. and I and I don't tend to blame everything on, you know, the smartphones. But kids don't have those social skills anymore. They don't know how to cope. There's no coping mechanisms, and the right. schools aren't doing much either. Just doping them up. I was able to talk with Zanera, a Google employee who used to work on the YouTube campus. She recounts her experience learning about her colleagues and friends who were on the YouTube campus on April 3rd, 2018. All right, listeners, we're lucky to have this guest today. Not only is Zanera a wonderful person, she is smart enough to really help us understand how gun violence can change your world instantaneously. So, um, Zanera, there are a few things I, I, I and I'm, I'm assuming my listeners want to want to learn is um, when you heard your workplace was under attack, can you give us all the background, you know, how you felt, how this impacted you and um, where you were on that day? Yeah, definitely. I I remember, it's kind of crazy looking back now, it's been a few weeks and it feels like it's been so long, honestly, but yeah. at the time it really hasn't been that long at all. And I remember I was at lunch and I wasn't at the YouTube campus my background um, at YouTube is I had worked there for five years and just six months ago, I started a new role. So I worked, I was working in Mountain View at that time, at that the time that the incident happened. And I remember eating lunch and I, all of a sudden I got these text messages and, and then someone started calling me and asking, people are asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? 
And I remember just, first of all, was really confused, not understanding what's going on. And they said, there's, there's been, there's like a shooter, there's like a shooter at YouTube. And I, and I, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I, so I just, I just went on, you know, Google search. I just typed in YouTube shooting what's going on there. And all of a sudden, you know, I saw like two or three headline articles saying that there's a shooter on campus. And honestly, when I saw that, my heart sank. And, you know, when you, when you, when something like that happens, you can't really process it because it's happening in real time. You don't understand it. You don't have all the full facts. You don't know what's going on. So there's just confusion and you're in shock. You don't know what's happening. You're trying to comprehend. And for me, honestly, when I saw that those headlines, I had thought that there was a shooter on campus and I thought that everyone was safe inside. That was my perception because there was nothing else at that time around the details of what had happened. Mm -hmm. So I remember just like being in complete shock and just heading back to the office. I just really couldn't finish my lunch. I didn't know what was going on. I, I walked back to my office and immediately I started pinging a few of my close colleagues, close friends at YouTube. And I, I just pinged them immediately. I said, please tell me you're okay. And luckily one of my friends said, yes, I'm okay. And I said, where are you? And she said, I am in the conference room right now. They told us to all stay in the conference rooms. We're not allowed to leave right now. And, um, and my heart just sank and I, and I, I didn't know much. And then I texted one of my really good friends as well. And I asked her, are you okay? Are you okay? And <laughs> it's, it's honestly emotional to retrace this kind of stuff. Cause this is, this stuff is, is real, you know, it's yeah. real. And I remember my friend um, saying she had left, like she, she luckily, she and her other colleague were able to just drive away, but she had told me that people were shot. People were shot. And when I heard that, I lost it. I completely lost it because I didn't, I didn't know. And, and honestly, when you hear, when you hear something like that, it's, it's just so unimaginable and all you can like just looking back on that moment. Um, I remember just, again, this, this pit in my stomach and, and just having been at working at that place for such a long time and having been part of such a small tight knit community, it's a very small community over there. You just imagine, I didn't, I didn't know who was shot. I didn't know any of the details, but like, it could have been anyone that I would have known. Like, it didn't even matter who it was. It was just part of that community that I was a part of. And that completely broke me. It broke me. Yeah. I think everybody who would undergo such a situation and who has, I'm sure it breaks you. It has to, right? Absolutely. Since you've had a few weeks to process this violence and under the current enough is enough movement and not again movement, what resolves have you generated from all this? Any, I mean, you're such a pensive, introspective person. Um, you know, uh, anything that you could share regarding this? There's, there's a few things. I, I think of course we obviously need to have much, much tighter 
um, regulations and rules about access to guns. Like it, it cannot be the way that it is right now because it's just not working. For me, the bigger issue around this is just the topic of mental health, you know, because what I see is I think guns are like more of the external of how that manifests. But I think beneath that, beyond that, there's a whole world of mental health that, that I feel like we have so much to work on. From this episode, it is so evident that we are yet to discover the panacea for effectively keeping our children safe from gun violence. But through all the interviews, there is one consistent declaration that mental health needs to be addressed. And from these investigations, I have grown to agree that our mental health issues must be addressed. But to curb our gun violence incidents, I believe mental health should be addressed in conjunction with reasonable gun safety laws. While researching for this episode, I read many recommendations which could significantly reduce gun violence incidents. Of those I read, I personally like the public health approach to gun violence, as I think it focuses on preventing the imminent risk of lethal assault through sensible gun laws and a culture of safety. Sensible gun laws include, one, reduce easy access to dangerous weapons by banning high-capacity magazines and bump stocks, requiring universal background checks without loopholes, instituting waiting periods, and instituting a ban on assault weapons immediately. Two, establish a culture of gun safety. Three, reduce firearms access to youth and individuals who are at risk of harming themselves or others. This includes keeping guns out of the hands of those who have been violent toward their partners and families and those who have had previous violent convictions. Four, hold the gun industry accountable to ensure there is adequate oversight over the marketing of sales of guns and ammunition. I believe states should pass laws requiring sellers to obtain state licenses, maintain records of sales, submit to inspections. Unlike other industries, Gun companies have special legal protections against liability, leaving them immune from lawsuits. There's a need to repeal gun industry immunity laws. Five, engage responsible gun dealers and owners in solutions. For example, some gun dealers and range owners are already being trained in suicide preventions. This is a good start. Six, insist on mandatory training and licensing for owners. This training should include reoccurring education to renew permits with the graduated licensing process, at least as stringent as the driver's licenses. And seven, require safe and secure gun storage. In my opinion, these are all reasonable solutions, and these solutions are in the best interest of all Americans. Most respected polls have shown the majority of Americans are desperate for reasonable gun violence solutions. Our children's lives are depending on our government to begin enacting legislation which will curb, if not end, gun violence. Well, didn't you make a fool of me between the-
We want to thank our contributors. Introduction voiceover, David Lewis. Hunter Lewis for introduction music. Danny Burns for our transition music. Caprice Hall for our graphic artwork. Jasmine Smith for web design and content. As always, technical support provided by Robert Stanley. This episode was edited by Karen Castro and produced by Elizabeth Stanley and Karen Castro. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you wish to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Pod Save the Rest of Us and on Twitter at Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. We all have common ground. Let's find it together.